This is the Cycling Circuit Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the development of cycling in the UK, particularly in the northeast of England. There's something in here for everyone, so if you want to hear about the UK cycling scene, keep listening. A lot's happened since the last time we spoke to Matty Brennan. He's now become a world champion, twice a British champion, and uh, generally has just been absolutely brilliant in all he does. We managed to get the opportunity to have a little chat with him and catch up on all the things he's been up to, as well as speaking about how his journey started. So yeah, so we, we chatted like to you brief, well not say briefly, I think it was still about half an hour or so at the um, Nationals last, didn't we? Um, and we yeah. talked about um, kind of the young board stuff and going there. So we thought, we haven't really sat down and sort of chatted across your whole journey, if you like, and we thought it would be good to sort of, sort of chat back to, if we sort of go back to kind of how you started, how you got involved in cycling. Um, and yeah, I guess kind of then bring it back to today, really. Um, yeah. And chat about kind of the pretty epic year you've had in a few of the results you've maybe uh some of your standout sort of things from this year so if that's all right with you yeah um yeah so I think it kind of started like there was no pressure to do anything there was always um you know you'd go to all your clubs I was quite a big swimmer at the time uh did a lot of swimming yeah um but I kind of found with that that the coaches were asking me to do a lot. So my dad was there like, you know, they'd ask you to do a two hour swim at like whatever age I was, like 11 year old or something. Um, and my dad was there like taking loads of like bollockings off the coaches because we'd rock up like half an hour, 45 minutes late because my dad was like, you're not doing two hours of swimming every, every two or three days or something. It's just ridiculous. Um, so did that. And then we kind of just faded away from that because it was borderline crazy and uh, not not great. But I'd still always ridden the bike. Uh, I think the bike was always there, regardless of what I did. So, you know, when you're in primary school, secondary school, you did all your football, you did all your, you know, your tennis, everything. You just did everything. And then it kind of progressed more on to the cycling side when I don't know I think I started to enjoy it a lot more your dad rode didn't he your dad used to race quite a bit yeah so we used to go out and the, the main starter for me was um, the cafe ride which we have it was 50 mile every Saturday uh, with a cafe stop in the middle um, and you kind of ride out steady and then chain gang into the cafe but I was so young that you couldn't really make the 50 mile. You could really only do 30 kind of of the cutoff. So you'd do the chain gang home bit. And it was like a big challenge every week to, to stay in and just see how far you'd last. And I think what was really good is a lot of the lads kind of um, pushed you a little bit. So they'd they'd look after you. you. When you were sat on the back, they'd look after you and make sure you're protecting the wind. And I think skills like that have really kind of amplified in the last uh, few years where 
it's been really useful, especially in some of these Belgian races where there might be some crosswinds. You know, I've been hiding kind of ever since I started riding, I've been hiding away from the wind. So it's kind of really good to know. And you save so many batteries by doing it. So, yeah, I did the calf run. Um, then we kind of progressed into cycling a lot more. I did a bit of cyclocross at the, at the time. Um, quite enjoyed that. But then it was, you know, still the road, road, cyclocross. Did a lot of mountain biking as well. But I think the main thing that I start to think about now is that it was all so relaxed. You know, my dad, my mum never put any kind of pressure to do well or not even to train, really. It was kind of go out on the bike on your free will because I think if you take it too seriously too early, it can almost be detrimental um, in kind of progression. And you kind of have to love to ride your bike before you um, do it more. Yeah. But yeah, there's been countless mountain bike trips away. We've been to France, uh, Lake District loads. So I think that was a main kind of leapfrog. I mean, you talk about mountain biking with kind of like sort of Tom Pickock, Van der Poel, mixing in with their road. So it kind of helps with cornering and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, road. Hassan, tell you what, if any of the younger listeners get yourself out to Hassan, if it's all possible, try and take a group out with you. It's, I think, one of those experiences where you learn so much from it, you come back such a better bike rider and you have fun while doing it as well. You know, it's not about the things on the bike, it's about the things off the bike as well, doing it all together. So I think that was a massive experience in terms of learning about racing and yeah, I think that was good. And it's kind of just progressed from there is you kind of take training a little bit more seriously and yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it's, I kind of think it's just progressed naturally. I don't think it's ever been forced. It's never been told. I think my dad's always said like, Oh, you have to do, you do have to ride your bike if you still want to go in bike races. I think that was the, the main thing that was said, but never forced. Like, so, but yeah, I don't know. I think it was always, everything was a challenge to kind yeah. of do in your head. Like, oh, let's go and do this 100 miler. Yeah. I think knowing, you, knowing you and knowing the family and that as well, I've kind of grasped that and I've got that impression. I think that's, it's been quite obvious how you've had that kind of, I suppose, that really good support, but in that other way where it's not been that pressure environment where you still see with, I mean, there's, you know, there's various examples we've seen with other kids where it's been very much high pressured for them. Um, I think that's obviously where it's been detrimental. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. I think if the, I think that's great to hear that straight away from yourself, how that's never been the case. And it's probably great for some of the kids to hear that as well, that, you know, go and enjoy riding the bike first. Yeah. No, yeah, I think, um, I think do the racing as well. Like that's, that's really good. But then just ride until you run out of energy. I think that's just something else that's good fun. I remember um, in the winter one time, me and Ben Everington, we went out to, do you know the aviator? Yeah. yeah. So we've done a big ride and we kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we did a big ride and we bonked 
And we were just in this cafe and just, I think the lady looked at us like, how are you eating so much? Because we still had like a 20 mile ride home as well. So it's like, oh, but they're kind of the days that you, um, I don't know, you just have fun. You, you never come back from a, never sit down and speak to someone about the day where you, you made it round well and yeah. just had a normal ride. It's always the day or bonked heavy here as you ride past this spot. Yeah. Cried in that bush over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So when, when did you ride it then? When did your cycling progress from just kind of riding your bike to thinking about it, thinking about it as a sport, I suppose, and racing? Was that, did you get involved in the club then or? Um, I think, I think when it switched in my head as in I need to start training was when I went to Assen. Right. Because I thought I'm not, I don't want my parents to put all this money and effort in for me to kind of not do anything and just expect to win. So my dad was there like, oh, the you know, there are going to be some pretty good bike races out there. I think if you come out in the calf run, if you, you push the distance a bit more, try and hang on hang on a bit longer and maybe try and come out on the Tuesday chain gang and just sit on the back for a little bit as well. I think it's just things like that. And then that's kind of when you start thinking, oh, I should maybe ride three days, two, three days, have a rest day, ride another two, three days and just, just do it like that. So there wasn't really any thing that properly did it like I didn't have a coach or anything that was introduced to me at the time or anything like that. So, how old would you be then, Matt? Uh, I want to say under under fourteen. Right. I think. Um, I don't know. I think I came into race at like some people I know of race since like under eights, under tens. I think I've done the odd one, but never properly done it until maybe under 12. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it's a long, long career um, to start from kind of there. But yeah, that's good. So recently, you won the British National Derny Championships with someone who's been there for quite a lot of your journey. He was really pleased, wasn't he? So Paul Curran was riding the Derny and he was saying what a pleasure it was to have seen you progress throughout all these years. So how did you start riding behind Paul on the journey? Yeah. Um, I have no idea how our paths came across. I think my parents knew, I think my mum maybe knew Jackie and Paul um, from the start. And then I think it started off at the track where uh, Sam war used to run a derny night for us um and then that kind of progressed kept going and yeah i was kind of there pretty much every friday um and then yeah i think when kind of covid and things kicked off it was quite nice to be on the bike if that makes sense because you couldn't really mingle with many others. But when Paul's on his bike and I'm sat behind him, that's, you know, there's two people um, there. So when kind of things died down COVID-wise and 
the regulations were coming a bit more relaxed. I think that was a really nice way to do that. And yeah, we just kind of, I think we spent a lot of hours just plodding around the track at 30 mile an hour at Middlesbrough. And he's been quite good to talk to in terms of what races might be like in on the track or on the road. Cause Paul's obviously quite decorated himself. He's got quite a lot of experience. So yeah, he's always kind of been quite, uh, quite a nice person to have if you ever need to kind of speak to someone about anything. Um, and he's really helpful. And I think to win the Derny champs was really nice because I'm not sure maybe, um, not sure whether I'd be able to do it again because of the Umbo calendar, but I really would like to, but I think it was a thing that we always said from the start when I first kind of got on the back of his motorbike was, Oh, one day we might go and do the Derny Champs. And I think to, to kind of go there and uh, win it is, yeah, really nice to kind of do that. Yeah. Does that mean you can ride the, um, you can have the British Champs jersey in the uh, in the six days and things if there's a Derny race there? Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah. So that'd be pretty cool. Um, it'd be pretty cool to be invited to some of the Derny races in maybe like I think Switz, I think some of the six days yeah some of the six days would be pretty cool I think uh, the, the best one would be six day Ghent that would be like the coolest yeah. call um, but yeah yeah you go if there's anywhere anyone listening out there who wants to invite Matty along for his champion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the Ghent six day he's up for it yeah 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 <laughs> And again, nice. that's not the that's not the only title you've been winning. So obviously that that's a big one, and that's a senior title as well. Um, but you're also a world champion as well, aren't you? Yeah, uh, two time world champion. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's a pretty cool experience out in Colombia. To be fair, um, I think. It, I think that tops it off as a really cool trip. Uh, we we kind of went to Colombia. You know, you're told, oh, if you leave your hotel room, like you'll get kidnapped or whatever. Where you know it doesn't happen to the extent that you think it does. Um, unfortunately, it's just got some bad history. But the you know the people were really lovely and really went out their day to kind of um, make your day better you know they might help you or tell you to kind of have this or do whatever not have this obviously but um yeah um i think it's a really lovely place i think the people are really nice and i think it's just the, the history unfortunately but yeah it was pretty cool winning the the titles the um i think the first day i did the scratch i thought i'd won but I didn't realise that there was a a Russian who'd gone off the front. So I kind of came away with a second and I thought, oh, that, that's all right. Like, I don't mind that, but it's a bit frustrating when you think you've won. But yeah, it kind of came on to the next day. I think the main one for me was the IP. Um, that was one I really wanted to win. But yeah, qualified second, which was fine. I wasn't worried about the qualifying, I think. I was more nervous about the qualifying than I was the final. 
Because didn't you Cause didn't you break the world record in qualifying and then the Italian then broke it back? Is that right? That's at Euros. So this year oh, it was Euros. This year I think he, I want to say he broke the world record. No, he didn't break the world record here uh, in Colombia. He did that in Portugal, but yeah, he qualified really quite quick. I think like a second quicker, but he came off the bike and just looked absolutely wrecked. He looked like he, the way he was literally being almost carried off um, his bike with the standard uh, Italian Swannies, just massage after the the four-minute effort, you know, all this flamboyancy. Um, So, I don't know, I think he put on a really big gear, so his his legs were really struggling to turn it kind of the end, but no, it was uh, good. I think the final, yeah, final started. I, I wasn't, it sounds really weird, but I wasn't, particularly nervous as such I was just kind of like more focused about you know what what you kind of set off at what lap laps you want to do just making sure you kind of hold the position um and once you kind of do all that that it would kind of fall in place but I think if you start worrying about something then it kind of comes down a little bit and you, you overthink things and yeah, no, it was good. It was a pretty cool feeling when you kind of cross the line and you hear the gun go off when your wheel crosses the line and not someone else's. Mm-hmm. And to think like world champion, it's yeah, it's quite cool. Not many, uh, not many people have that. And to break the world record as well, that's it's quite cool. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty amazing. It's a, it's a great achievement and lots more to come. One of the things that impressed me, apart from uh, the commentator who kept on calling you Brennan Matthew. Was uh, that was really good, but um, <laughs> uh, it was um, the Italian lad who you're up against. He kind of looked like he'd been in a wind tunnel. He kind of looked like they'd put a lot of effort into that. And I spoke to your younger brother, who said that you basically did everything yourself with your position and everything. So that really, like you know, you look good, you looked aero and everything like that, but at the same time there's probably more to come there, isn't there? There's probably more to develop once you've got a, a bigger support team around you. Yeah, um, I mean you know, a mirror, there's nothing a mirror and you sitting on your bike that, you know, you can't do, so I was just like searching Remco, Remco Evanapol position, <laughs> I was like, right, he's got his arms close to his face, that'll do. Um, and then Andrew, my uh, agent, he sent me a helmet from Specialized. You know, those stormtrooper-looking things. With a sock. And, um, yeah, yeah. So kind of just moulded it around the helmet, making sure that it kind of fit right and everything. And then, yeah, I think we're going in the wind tunnel um, in a few weeks' time in Manchester just to do a bit of testing and things. So I'll be able to see kind of what the CDA of it is and whether it is quick or whether I just put out a crazy amount of power. But I think the position is pretty, pretty quick. But we'll see what we can do to kind of go quicker. Because you even had pretty standard kit as well, didn't you? Just standard bars and everything. Yeah. No, none of this custom, uh, none of this custom stuff. Uh, no oversized chain rings. 
uh, I think it was on like 51 11 51 13 or something so pretty pretty compact for what people ride these days when they're on like 58s and things like that so no yeah it was a uh, good we'll just see how much quicker we can go so they say that we've been talking about gear issues, yeah, haven't we? we Paul, we... Paul, I've just thought Paul, Paul was literally about to change his chain ring, like without riding on it, just ready for the race tonight. And I was like, just leave it, just do what you've been doing. Mm. What would your advice be there, mate? Should he start tinkering now before the race? Yeah, I, I think I need to change. I still think I need to change. What gear are you riding? It's only a 50, 49 14. I was going to change to a 49 13, which I'm not as fast as you. So, like, you know, I'll. Uh... What, um, how many inches is that? You know, 102, 102. Oh, yeah, uh, 102 will be fine, yeah. Like, we, I was only, I've only been training on a 95, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I think, uh, oh, mm, you can step up, aren't you? We went 102 in the Madison, me and Ben, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that should be okay. What were you pursuing on there? Hundred and that hundred and two you pursuing on as well? Hundred hundred and three. I went hundred and four for something. I think like one of the training sessions, I was just like, nah, it's too big, too heavy on the legs. But no, yeah, hundred about hundred and three, I think it was. It was all right. And then yeah, I think briefly mentioned the Madison there, so then you went up to the Madison as well, didn't you? With uh, Ben. Yeah. No, that was good. It was a. I think we got second at Euros, and we were like, uh, we kind of messed it up a bit. But for Worlds, I think you know we kind of got all the changes right. The places that the changes were happening, we we reacted to the race right, and I think it kind of just folded into position. Um, and yeah, we just kind of pulled away in the lead in the last maybe thirty laps. Which was one of the toughest thirty laps I think I've ever done. So I just couldn't couldn't wait to finish it. Almost it was just so grim, but no, it was good. Really enjoyed it. And then you had um, the other thing I want to talk about was the worlds in Glasgow as well. The road race, obviously, you did the road race up in Glasgow. Um, yeah, yeah. Good, good TV time out in the um, break. Oh a- yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that were that were good fun. That uh, I did nowhere near enough training to uh, maybe last to the end because I was kind of stuck on the track doing all the track stuff. Mister um, training camp out in Slovakia for two weeks because of the track Euros, which probably would have really helped. Um, the Euro, the Road Worlds at Glasgow. No, it was, it was really cool. Uh, I think to have a home crowd as well, like you have, you just go around a corner and you just hear like four or five people shouting your name and you're like, who the hell are these? Like, yeah. it's just, it was crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I, I can't describe it. I think there's nothing that will make you feel like that at another event. Uh, I think it was so unique. Yeah. Yeah, the whole of Glasgow. Like I've never seen Glasgow just shut down. I was just, it was really weird. It was almost disorientating because yeah. it was, yeah, I don't know. I thought that we stayed and watched the pro race as well. And 
you're just walking through Glasgow and there was just crowds on these streets and yeah, helicopters above and yeah, it was just really cool. Um, I'd love circuit, to ride another world. The circuit looked brutal. What was it like? As in, yeah, it was uh, tough. Yeah, it was pretty tough. I think it was all right. I think you just had to dig in. Um, but I think the other stuff around it kind of had to make it fall in place as well. Like eating was really hard on that course. And if you didn't take the right stuff, then you couldn't fuel well. So I think that's kind of where I also went wrong a little bit as well. Um, usually I just took what I'd take in a race, but I think knowing that I probably should have taken something more um, quick digesting um, because you just full gas all day. I think the first hour or something of that race was like 320 yards, 330 watts average or something ridiculous. And that was just like getting in the break, um, going across. So, yeah, it was crazy. Enjoyed it. Though. It was brilliant to see when like you switch it on and then there you were in the break. And uh, you kept fighting for a long time, didn't you? You kept... Uh... There was a couple of times when you were losing it just over the top and then gaining it back on little descents and things like that. It was quite a, quite nice to, probably quite a good example of how to conserve a little bit of energy, not going too deep a couple of times and thinking, backing yourself to get back on. It was impressive. Yeah. No, yeah, I think, um, I think when you're on your knees, you kind of ride a little bit differently. You, you ride kind of in a way that is really, really race smart. And then everyone around you in the breaks going, what the hell are you doing? Like, why aren't you pulling through? And I'm just like, man, I don't care. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I'm on my knees. Um, so I don't know, like, you'd go to the front on a climb and then you'd end up at the back. But it would knock off maybe like 100 watts. So you'd really save on those parts. But you kind of needed that extra bit to get over the top and then press on afterwards you couldn't really smash up the climb, get to the top and then push on. It was, yeah. yeah, I think you just had to ride it. I don't know. I think it was good, worthy winner. You know, uh, he's really strong. Albert Wyvern Philipson, I think. Yeah, that's him. I think, yeah. Wyvern Philipson. He's the winner, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's a good lad. And it's always good having a worthy winner, and you kind of see the stripes in the races, which is another good thing. Because there's not there's nothing worse than having a world champion you never see him. Yeah, yeah. Is that because he's a first year junior? Yeah, he's a yeah he's a real strong first year, and he's he's kind of in the mix a lot with all the racing and stuff like that. So you never see him kind of in the convoy or out the back yeah. because of. He's dropped. He's just no. He's just super strong. So, yeah. So, what? Uh, how does the next sort of couple of months look then, Matthew? Um, on the track, bit of testing, um, sorting all that out. Then flying out to Holland to go and kind of get sized up for kit and everything. And then, uh, yeah, a bit more track stuff. Then a bit more kind of testing, uh, 
yeah and then it's kind of heading into training camps going to Norway in December uh, for two weeks of cross country skiing that should be uh, that should be good fun um, I think the funniest thing will be seeing Jed Jed claims he's like a really good skier but uh, me and Thomas do not believe that for a minute, but uh, I don't know. We just can't describe it. Yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing how uh, how Jed does on his uh, cross country skiing. So that should be really funny. But yeah, it'd be good. And have you set yourself any goals for next year, or anything you really want to sort of look at doing, particularly next year? Uh, I think I don't know doing the. The baby Jira would be nice. I don't know whether, you know, it'd be they'll send the best squad, so it depends whether I'm good enough to be in the squad or not, but that would be a nice race to kind of do. Um, but you're kind of entering a whole new world as an under-23. There's different races that maybe are really quite prestigious that you don't really know about as a junior. So I think it's all about learning and kind of learning with the the longer miles and the different types of races and things like that teams are more influential on the racing. So things are more coordinated and yeah, I, I think it's just a, a big learning experience for the next year. I think you can uh, set goals and just aspire to them. And if you hit them, then that's great, but there's kind of no pressure to, um, hit them almost because it's all it's just all a learning experience I think once you pick up on everything and you've kind of learned everything then I think the results will start to follow and yeah I think there's not really uh, much to stress about other than just take your time and just make sure that you get everything right and then yeah I think hopefully everything should kind of follow through once you've picked everything up So, officially then, when are you actually officially sort of making that transition from Fensham to Yumbo? Is that like from, so will you be racing? You said you're racing in the next couple of weeks. Is that for Fensham or is that in Yumbo colours? Yeah, that's uh, that's Fensham, yeah. So, uh, contract starts at the the new year. So, January. But we'll be getting all the kit and stuff like that from kind of November time which will be uh, yeah November time so then kind of things start kicking off with them in terms of doing activities with Yumbo as in the training camps all throughout the winter and stuff like that so kind of mixing it between Spain uh, Spain and home with them which will be quite nice in the middle of winter to get a break from the, the minus four and rain is it, is we seem to get there, a lot of here in winter plan to stay in the northeast and just go out to the camps is that the plan no immediate plans to move abroad or anything yeah yeah I don't really see the necessary need at the minute to go somewhere else I think what we have kind of up north we have quite a lot of group rides and I think the rally rides are a big one as well I think for this year especially, I don't think there's any necessarily 
need to go abroad but obviously other people have different needs and wants etc so yeah i think if the weather just turns rubbish for like two weeks i might just go oh, forget this so i'll go to tenerife or something for two weeks so um but yeah no you'd be, you'd be welcome to come back to greece with us and bring your bike to greece matthew <laughs> yeah yeah no which part of greece do you guys go to it's, uh, it's an island called Evia. It's the one that's had all the forest fires over the last year and been battered. Um, it's oh, right. a little thin one that runs right alongside the mainland. Um, okay. Yeah, really yeah. the same side of Mallorca and very sort of similar in sort of, yeah, terrain and everything to Mallorca. Yeah, yeah. No, it looked good to ride. Yeah, it's, yeah it's I mean, February, February March, is, it was, deep. yeah. You got, it's like it's like Giro riding, is it? you got like seven foot of snow on the mountain, but like the roads are clear and it's pretty, it's like, 18, 19 degrees. Yeah, it's good. Right, yeah, yeah. Without the snow and stuff, so it's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I might have to explore that on a bike. There's one thing I was going to touch on, obviously, at this, you probably might not be able to say too much, you might not even know yourself, because there's been quite a lot of talk in the news at the minute with regards to sort of, you know, the three big teams, Youngboy, Neos, yeah. uh, Quick Step. I mean, what's your, I know, you, just it, what's your sort of thoughts on all that? And if have you got any sort of thoughts on it? Or... Uh, yeah, I want to get rid of it off my uh, off my Facebook and Twitter feed. Yeah. It's doing my head in it at the minute. Um, but I've, no, I think I think cycling's become so big that it's now like a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like any businessman would, they would want the the best kind of people to do the job, which is race the bikes. Yeah. So, from a business perspective, it kind of makes sense from what I understand of it. Um, but I think in terms of for the sport, I think it might be quite detrimental. Um, I don't think you can have the best guy. The whole point of having competition is for the best guys to race each other. And if the best guys aren't racing each other, then where's the competition? Yeah. So, uh, there's you know, you've obviously got the rumours of um, Roglic being available... Remco's going in yours. Apparently, Remco's going everywhere at this moment in time. Uh, Probably so has just announced this morning, hasn't he, that he's definitely leaving. Just hasn't said where. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, my guess is Ineos. I want to say, mm. but uh, yeah, because Ineos have offloaded a load of riders this year, haven't they? Yeah. And not it's almost like they've, they've had inside knowledge as well, isn't it? And they've left those spaces ready for a few big names. Yeah. That's what it's kind of seeming like now, isn't it? But, uh, yeah. yeah. I read a thing that was saying uh, the guy from Ineos who puts all the money in was like ready to spend a lot of cash if he needed to. Right. Uh, to kind of bring in the best guy that is going to win the tour. So I think it'll all get um, kind of argy-bargy for the next maybe month and then I think you'll all settle down once everyone everyone knows where the contracts are and what people are doing but and as far as you're concerned does any of that kind of is there any Ethan influence on you there or do you just continue on as normal and everything's just carrying on as normal the development team side of things and all that and yeah I think uh, everything is being planned as normal there's nothing that has changed but and I've been told by Andrew, my agent, who's spoken with a lot of the, the people because he manages a lot of the, the Yumbo guys as well and people who may be worried about their kind of future. But he was like, for me, there isn't really anything to worry about. Um, but yeah, 
I think. We were, we were chatting, I mean, we still wonder whether the whole thing, I, I still can't quite get my head around it, and I just wonder whether it's all kind of just all about trying to build a bit more sort of profile and trying to bring new sponsors in by having this kind of um, mm. arc and having it just sort of trying to drive prices up for sponsors, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, mergers have never, I wouldn't say a merge is a merge. I don't, I don't feel like there's ever a merge yeah. um, in anything. There's always, it, it's just a takeover, isn't it, really? Um, leopard Trek wasn't it? it was, that, that was the last really radio hyper- radio shack wasn't it? Radio shack leopard yeah yeah like yeah that was a that was pretty high profile yeah. nothing on this scale though I don't think this is like the biggest no. no yeah I think someone was saying it was like um Quickstep was struggling for sponsors or something and when Patrick Lefevre goes that's kind of no one maybe will be taking over, but uh, this is just all Twitter talk, isn't it? So you don't know what's what's real and what's fake these days with uh, Twitter. As far as you're concerned, you're just as equally a bystander in this as everyone else, just with a bit. Yeah, of, just I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So, as far as you're concerned, you've got to get your your yellow yumbo kit in a few few weeks time, and then next year, yeah. one on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. As long as, uh, as long as oh, I get my part of the deal, then that's the main Apple thing. Apple as well as BBI team. Yeah, Amazon are getting in as well, aren't they? Yeah, Prime next day delivery. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait for that. You can see the headlines, can't you? The day whoever wins, it'll be they delivered and stuff, yeah. and you know, yeah. Yeah. So obviously, the... so you're, uh, yeah. So obviously. Where me and Paul are chatting here as well from the Masters Worlds, Matthew. So obviously being the decorated world champion on the track you are now, um, what advice have you got for me and Paul over the next week? Because I mean, we'll probably both admit, obviously, I mean, I've been riding the track for a couple of years now, but never sort of even contemplated doing anything like this before. Um, I mean, I've done like Middlesbrough Track League, um, done little bits on the boards indoors at Manchester before, at Derby before, but never really sort of thought about coming to an event like this. Paul's literally... Yeah, you're, you're the experienced one yeah. of the group. After Paul, saying you're totally inexperienced at this, you're the experienced one compared to me. Paul so. literally rode the boards the first time last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so what, what would your advice be kind of for us coming at this? I mean, one of the things we both struggled with already today was we both sort of sat there and said, what do we do? We've literally come to kind of race and we've got mm. all this free time around the racing. And when you're not like a, a professional athlete, it's really strange to do that. Obviously, you know you should just kind of be resting, but it's, it feels very strange to have that free time where you know you're not at home with your kids, you haven't got like work to go to, and it's yeah, it's a bit strange for us, I suppose. Yeah, um, I think we, I guess we start from the start. I think um, just enjoy it, like you know, worlds, yeah. big event, just enjoy it. Um, I think. Make sure that you know what you're doing with your day. Um, make sure that you you kind of waking up regularly, same time every day. I think it's so easy to lie in or wake up at a later time of day because you've got all day. But I think it's important to kind of make sure that you get up at like, you know, you can have a little bit more of a line, but maybe eight thirty or something like that. That's usually quite nice for me personally. Um on a race and then I think just keep your eating regularly as well like your meals make sure that you're having your your breakfast your lunch and your dinner kind of 
properly. Um, and then kind of when, yeah, make sure that you have timings for the start of the day. So like make sure you know what time. I usually write, write everything down and just say, right, at this time we're going here, this time we're going here. And then just stick to that plan. And then you kind of know where your free time is in the day. I mean, there's nothing really you can do in the free time of day. I think the best thing to do is just work on a good Netflix series or do something something else, yeah. So I think when you get to the track, I think just, I don't know. I think it's hard to say don't be nervous, but I think you just got to kind of trust yourself a little bit that, you know, you haven't come here unprepared. Everyone's kind of in the same ballpark. Everyone's nervous. Everyone wants to do well. Um, but yeah, I think make sure that you do all your your timings right for your warm ups. You you getting off the bike, the the stuff like that, and yeah, just make sure you have plenty of food with you. Um, electrolyte tabs as well in the track. It's so easy to become dehydrated there and water just goes straight through you. So just make sure you drink loads of tabs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, but Paul's like, Paul's still cracking on and like loading up with his carb drinks and everything. I was like, well, it's only a, it's only no, a it's, it's electrolyte drink. Yeah. I was like, it's only a one minute effort. I don't, I don't, but yeah, I mean, last night yeah. I was in a bit of a bad way. That's like, wasn't I? I haven't got it. Yeah. I was like, you I all think, clearly I was dehydrated. <laughs> just after sort yeah. of, no, last night I was, yeah, it was. Yeah, and then today you went along and you came out. Yeah, like, I haven't had any of my drinks. Yeah, yeah. Right, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So, I think for the racing, kind of make sure that you're off your rollers maybe ten, fifteen minutes before your race, um, and just kind of don't do it on. I know I've just said do it on timings, but when you're kind of planning your warm up and everything, just look at the race program that you have make sure count back kind of roughly how long each heat might take so like a a one minute kilo will take maybe three minutes four minutes with like set up and riders and stuff like that and then you can kind of count it back and that's when you need to get on your rollers because you know there's loads of track races can either run really slowly or it takes one crash and then it's 20 minutes behind and things like that so you kind of I think the other thing is you'd rather be warmed up early than not warmed up at all. So it's so easy to keep warm and just spin your legs on the rollers. And yeah, I think keep the core temperature cool. Um, just yeah, enjoy it. it. Don't be afraid to make a um, make a move because that one move might win you the virus. If there's any impulses, just like go with it. Don't like that hold back. Adam's impulses are to attack from the gun <laughs> for forty minutes. I get far too excited. That's my problem. Yeah, yeah. No, you'll enjoy it. Should be good. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, uh, yeah, we've got the short effort today, and then recovery for the morning. Then it's uh, pursuit your event. Um, we'll be in- ch- channeling you in the morning, won't we? Yeah, only just doing a little bit longer, you know, just a, just an extra minute on or something. So, yeah. so you said you were looking at you were looking at yeah. Rebel's position. I was looking at your position. I was looking at the Matthew Brennan position to try and. Uh... <laughs>
yeah. I guessed right. You know, yeah. I, I just guessed right, given uh, saddle positions and things like that, and making sure that first time we got in the jig, both of us had thought we got it drastically wrong, didn't yeah. we? But actually, all right. Yeah, it was okay. That's the, it's the worst part about track racing, isn't it? It's the jig. Yeah. It's like um, turn up to a race. You've had the same position all year. You haven't touched the bars or anything. And you're still like, oh god. I feel like I'm like four mil out of uh, four mil out of tolerance here, but yeah, yeah, it's the worst part about it. No, we're all good, I think. So yeah, we'll uh, we're gonna try and rest a bit now, and then we'll be off down there tonight, won't we? Yeah, and yeah, well, so look for your uh, for your Philip Gilbert race. Will Philip Gilbert be there? Do you think? No idea. I'll let you know if he is. Sorry, we missed that bit. It went all. Uh, what did I'll you send say? a send a lovely? Uh, if he is, then uh, I'll send a send a selfie on Instagram. Yeah, that'd be so, great. I love Philip Gilbert. After the time, I think he um he, he crashed in the Amstel Gold Race, um with about seventy k to go, went on, rode on, won, and then uh, necked a pint of Amstel on the. On the podium, then went to hospital, mm. and his kidney was split in two. So, yeah, he's a hard guy. Uh, you know, people. I think uh, I think people don't realize how hard some cyclists are. That is absolutely like I don't glorify people who like you know I wasn't one of these. Oh look at Stephen Kung when he hurt himself. This is great and everything like that was terrible. But um, you know, the idea that someone would get up and do that and fight on just shows you how tough some people are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No good. No, well, cheers, Matthew. We'll let you. Uh, yeah. No worries. Uh, thanks for chatting to us, and um, probably see you in a few weeks, hopefully. And then you know yeah. what? Whenever you win Amstel Gold, one time, you know you've got a neck, neck of pipe. Don't split your kidney first. <laughs> yeah. No. Best of luck at track champs. I'll be. Uh, I'll be watching out. So. Yeah. Cheers, Matthew. We'll uh, might get on one of these rides with you sometime in the next couple of weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Nice one. Thanks again. Cheers, Matty. Cool. All right. See you in a bit. Right, right.